Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with Camaro Dave, Commander Chris, coming to you from our world-famous Turn It, Don't Burn It studios here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, we're going to be talking to Russ Falk here in a couple of minutes from the Kalamazoo Outdoor Gourmet. Russ has got an interesting story and some great products, so we're going to be talking with him. We'd also like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef the way nature intended. You can check them out online at PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com. Um, Russ Falk from Kalamazoo Outdoor Outdoor Gourmet, I should say. He is their innovator grill master. I think he probably serves as a janitor once in a while, too, if they need to. But, Russ, well, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes, I would say my, my, my title is Chief Cook and Bottle Washer. There you go. So, um let's let's kind of get the background on you. We You and I have never met, and we've really never talked before. What uh, what possessed you to get involved, first of all, in, in cooking and barbecue, and then we'll talk about your design stuff? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I've been an avid cook since I was since I was young, uh, oldest of three boys, and my mom insisted all three of us know how to cook, um, and we've all taken to it. I would say the middle boy, Chris, my younger brother, is probably a better cook than I am, but I have always gravitated towards cooking outdoors, particularly grilling. And I'm, I'm more of a grill guy than necessarily a barbecue guy. I can make a good brisket, but I spend most of my time grilling as opposed to a traditional barbecue. Sure. Anyway, you know, I took up the tongs uh, when I was about 12 years old and never looked back. It's always been a passion of mine. So right now I've got a dream job, you might say. I like the way you say that you took up the tongs. Like some people say, well, I threw down the gauntlet, but. Russ, you picked you picked up the tongs. I like that a lot. Um, you say your your mother wanted everybody to in your family to know how to cook. You you boys in the family, and I kind of came from a similar background. But how big of an influence was your mom on you? Um, I always like to talk about moms on the show. I had a really great mom, and um, you know she wasn't much into grilling or barbecuing or that. We had kind of one uh one ratty ass grill that we used outside and she usually burnt the chicken on it but everything else with a roof over her head when she was cooking was pretty dang good what about your mom mm -hmm. um you know i i would be stretching the truth if i said she was a fantastic cook but she did make some of my favorite dishes for sure um you know her her push for all of us to know how to cook you know i'm i'm on the older side of the equation. So back then there were more uh, gender boundaries and who does what. And she wanted her boys to be self-sufficient and not be sexist about who should do the cooking. So that's kind of what it came down to. But my mom, um, you know, had a, had a fantastic influence on who I am today. My mother was an artist. She passed away a little more than a year ago. Um, and my father was an engineer uh, and is now retired. He's one of the best engineers 
I've ever met. And uh, between the two of them, they kind of made me who I am. I've got an engineering brain and an eye for <laughs> making beautiful things. And I just love both sides of that. And actually cooking is a creative pursuit itself as well. Um, I'm not one to follow recipes. I'm one to create recipes, if, if that makes sense. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm kind of in that same boat. I, uh, my father and people on the show have heard me tell these stories before, but my father liked all of his meat shoe leather brown. If I put it, <laughs> and everything was pretty much cooked in a frying pan, um, either that mm-hmm. or if it was like a pot roast or chicken on Sunday type deal. But Monday through Friday, I remember one time they looked at me like I was from Mars on who is this kid when I said, Can't we eat anything else than steak? Well, we had cows, you know, <laughs> and and then I got the proverbial, you know, there's a billion kids in China that are starving. Uh, well, mm-hmm. I'll send this to them because I'd really like, you know, some spaghetti or something. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we did that. How did you get involved with Kalamazoo Outdoor Gourmet? I mean, what was the impetus of that? You know, it's actually, it's just, uh, it's pure chance and good fortune, I guess is the right way to put it. I was actually at the time in management consulting, helping uh, companies improve their um, customer experience and sort of their go-to-market strategy overall. Uh, The company that I worked for doing that consulting was uh, Sinetro Group. Mm -hmm. And Sinetro Group had a private equity arm of the business as well, which I was never really involved with. But it is that private equity side of Sinetro that acquired the assets of what was known as the Kalamazoo Grill back in 2005. Um, So at the very beginning, I'm like, this is awesome. I love grilling. I can help. Um, So it was a bit of a turnaround project. And back in 2005, Kalamazoo Grill was basically a consulting client of mine, but I slowly got sucked in more and more and more. And by the end of 2008, I'd taken over basically the lead R&D role and became full-time um, Kalamazoo Outdoor Gourmet. So they were actually a manufacturer? Yes. Um, Kalamazoo um, started off, I mean, not the town, but, but our company. Sure. Um, this business started off way back in 1906 as Kalamazoo Sheet Metal. And it was a custom fabrication shop, family-owned business. Um, and the And the founder of Kalamazoo Sheet Metal was a bit of an eccentric, a bit of an inventor. He had patents on the original Murphy bed and some adjustable wrenches and all kinds of things. But their core business was custom fabrication out of sheet metal. And over the years, they developed a specialty in stainless steel, um, in particular for things like pharmaceutical processing, which Mm -hmm. is big in the Kalamazoo area. It's where the Pfizer vaccine comes from, for example, Um, as well as the dairy processing industry. And in both of those industries, as you can imagine, making the processing equipment super hygienic and able to be cleaned is one of the key attributes you need in the fabrication. Sure. Um, So there's a bit of a standard in stainless steel welding and finishing that's actually referred to in the industry as the dairy standard. You have to build this stuff to the dairy standard. And that's where our craftsmen cut their teeth over the years. Fast forward a few generations, and um, you've got the the then head of the business, who's the great-grandson of the founder, and he was also a bit eccentric and had a passion for grilling and looked around the shop and thought, we can actually make a, a fantastic grill using our stainless steel. 
um, skills, and they came up with something really unique and really distinctive in the market, launched the Kalamazoo Grill as a business at that time. Uh, that was the mid-1990s. And in 1998, they did something really revolutionary. They launched what they called at the time the dual fuel grill. And it was a really high-end gas grill that could also cook with charcoal and cook with wood. Um, it's the origin of what today we call our Kalamazoo hybrid fire grill. Right. Um, and that's what really put Kalamazoo grill on the map. Uh, it's what led to seven years later us acquiring that business. Um, and it's the cornerstone of our product line. You know, it's interesting you say that because we have a company out here in Oregon, Mac, M-A-K grills. That's not their primary business. The stories are kind of similar. Uh, Russ, because they fabricate metal for airplanes and airplane parts and different things. You know, they, they usually have big contracts with Boeing, I believe, like that. Mm-hmm. But, but they came up with this pellet grill, which is stainless steel and, you know, probably to dairy standards or whatever. And it, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting because I, uh, I don't know the gentleman that owns it. I've never been over there. I've seen their grills and you know, they're only 40 miles from my house, but the point is, is one day I think he just got a wild hair and said, I'm going to build a pellet grill. And they've been, you know, they're certainly not as, as high end or as strong as you guys, but they kick out a few of those all the time. And I've just kind of noticed that people with those engineering minds, they like to eat too, of course, <laughs> and they mm-hmm. they can come up with some pretty interesting fabrications on on the on the metal. It's I don't know. I just find it kind of fascinating the way the mind works, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. what yeah, for sure? What prompted you to get into product design? Um. So my degree um, is in fine arts. Mm-hmm. Um, I started off with a with the dream of. of being a children's book illustrator, but I quickly changed paths and um, and spent my early career um, doing graphic design. And this is before uh, the internet was uh, much of a thing at all. It was in its infancy and definitely not um, in everybody's homes. Um, so as a graphic designer, I loved working on annual reports, information design, things like that. I actually started off in textbook sure. uh, design. Uh, creating uh, K through eight textbook programs. Um, so always a fair amount of detail, but I loved making things. And all of my hobbies have always been about making things, furniture building, uh, throwing pottery, things like that. Um, as the internet came along, I transitioned a lot of what I was doing in graphic design to more interface design and application development and actually creating um, online businesses, which is how I slowly morphed into the consulting world. Um, So when I had a chance on the Kalamazoo front to, instead of making physical objects as a hobby, actually doing it with a bunch of really cool people in sheet metal with great equipment and, and, and such a history of of skill and handwork. It's just, uh, I just grasped it. So I don't have any training in product design or industrial design uh, per se. Um, learn on the job and just bring all my passion for cooking to what we put out there in the world. I think that's probably the best way to do it. Just, I'm just saying (laughs) just me and old cowboy here, but um, 
my experiences were engineers with engineers was always, they were really nice people, most of them, but they got so technical on things that they left out the practicality in the usage. And so I think that's great that you can do that. We are going to take a break here on Barbecue Nation. We're going to be back with Russ Falk from Kalamazoo Outdoor Gourmet. We're going to talk uh, specifically about some grills and a few other things coming up here on The Nation on the Sun Radio Network. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, uh, welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, and today we're talking with uh, Russ Falk from Kalamazoo Outdoor Gourmet. Um, yeah, a couple of things really quick. If you want to email us, it's pretty simple to do. You can just go to, uh, barbecue nation. That's BBQ nation, JT.com. And there's a little icon there that says you want to send JT a message. Just do it that way. And it gets right to me. The other way to do it is uh, my other part of my, uh, internet world is info at the cowboycook.com. It, uh, it gets to me too. So, Hold on a second here, Russ. I've lost my place. And I've lost my script, so David's going to have to clean this up a little bit. Uh, where'd you okay. Go? Where'd you go? Oh, here it is. <laughs> um, when you have your own business, you basically have to do everything, and that includes hiring, which can become a second job. And, and that's <laughs> really, indeed, it can. And that's why there is, indeed, the all-in-one hiring platform that makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates all in one place. Uh, with the smart tools like Instamatch, you can instantly get a list of qualified and quality candidates uh, whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description the minute you sponsor a job. Spend less time sifting through resumes and more time saying you're hired. Visit Indeed.com credit. There we go. Now I got that done. We're, ta- we're talking uh, with Russ Falk from Kalamazoo Outdoor Gourmet. So, Russ, I got to tell you, where'd the name Kalamazoo come from? You know, over the years, people make fun of it sometimes, and, and it, but it's a name you never forget. And I've never been there. I've been to Michigan several times, but I've never been to Kalamazoo. Do you know the history on that? Just kind of a sidebar. The history of the town? Yeah, of the name. But the, I believe the name is uh, based on the convergence of two rivers, and it uh, for the uh, Native American tribes that was there that were there. That's what the word Kalamazoo meant, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Or it has something to do with the, the waterfalls at that at that confluence of two rivers. So it's right on the Kalamazoo River, and uh, it's a great town. Uh, I love spending time there. It's home of. Bell's Brewing is uh, becoming quite a, a significant presence in the craft beer world, along with uh, a whole lot of other great businesses that are uh, based there. Okay. Well, we got our, you're not only um, an engineer, creator, and, and uh, grill master, but you're also um, a geographical historian there. Let's put it that way. <laughs> or or possibly have vague recollections of facts you read online one time. I don't know about historian. <laughs> that 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 could be true too. Um, <laughs> uh, 
I, I guess I'm guilty of that too. Tell, tell, you know, I grew up in a little town called Estacada. You tell me how they came up with that name. So I'm not sure. No, um, no idea. When you're, when you're creating products for us and you're helping with the design and I mean, what's kind of your process. And, and by that, I mean, do you sit there and you're doodling and all of a sudden an idea pops in your head and then you start doodling some more because you're an artist and you say, I can make a girl do this. And I've talked to some people that actually it works that way. They don't say, well, we, we need to do one that does, you know, multi heat sources, but no, they, the really good ones sit there and kind of doodle it and say, I think we could do this. How do you come uh, mm -hmm. approach that? Um, my process is definitely sketch based and the early stages of any new product, they do happen uh, with pencil on paper. Mm -hmm. um, we get pretty far in terms of thinking things through in terms of what they'll look like and how they'll work before we transition into CAD. Um, and that's an important part of our process, I think, because once you get in CAD, things start being uh, limiting from a creative standpoint. Sure. Um, you know, it's absolutely crucial, crucial to the process. We can't do it without, without the CAD work to develop the sheet metal and, and perfect all of those aspects of it. But the early stages are definitely on paper. I wouldn't say the ideas come from doodling per se. We usually set out with a, a goal in mind. Uh -huh. uh, you know, the gaucho grill is our Argentinian wood fired grill. Right. Um, we set out to create a gaucho grill. Um, and, you know, our bar is, is always for it to be uh, innovative, distinctive, and best in class, um, which is another way that my job is a dream job because having just that one clear mission of making it the best is is a uh, um, it's a blessing in terms of, of doing what I do. It's it's you know makes everything very clear. But then you know lots and lots of drawings on how can we do this? What do we want it to be? Um, and we created some, you know, some new things that had never been done before in it. That uh, and that's, you know, that's kind of things we had to do in CAD. They don't happen from from my pencil and paper, um, like making the motorized rotisserie system move and operate with the rack, even though the motor is built into the base of the grill and the motor is not moving. It's all riding on a chain system and all that. It's got some. There's some wonderful engineering that the team worked out in that grill that is, you know not seen and not necessarily appreciated when you're standing there looking at it. You're just amazed at the, at the fire down below and the beef rotating on the spit and all that. <laughs> but there's a lot of great tricks inside that grill. Um, another, you know, the most recent example, as far as our grills go, is our Kamado grill. Uh, we set out to say, okay, how can we do a Kamado grill that is distinctly Kalamazoo that is not a Me Too product? Um, you know, and that one, there was no guarantee we were ever going to launch anything. Like if we can't make it cook better and be different and all that, it'll just go in the scrap heap. Um, but we were able to do wonderful things. And because there's no gas system and no real preset notion of what that was going to be, the sketches were all sure. over the place. Uh, I drew some crazy little things that we probably could never build. And, and some that I, I, um, hope nobody ever sees <laughs> paper, but the end result is an absolutely fantastic product. And we dealt with some backlash from, you know, some fanatics out there who, who are passionate about their Kamados. And they look at it and they're like, that's not a Kamado. It's not round. That's not a Kamado. It's right. not ceramic. And I'm like, you know, well, the distinctive, you know, the defining characteristics 
of a Kamado in my mind are not it being round um, and they're not it being ceramic. They're about it being insulated for improved efficiency. How can we amp that up? And, and so we just took all of those key characteristics and tried to, to stretch them um, to to the ultimate point we could get them to. Uh, we're going to take another break. We're going to be back with Russ Falk from Kalamazoo Outdoor Gourmet right here on The Nation. Uh, don't go away. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Hey, welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. Today we're talking with Russ Falk from Kalamazoo Outdoor Gourmet. We're going to talk more about some of the Kalamazoo grills here in just a minute, but we want to thank the folks that painted hills natural beef beef you can be proud to serve your friends and family you can check them out online uh at paintedhillsnaturalbeef.com they actually have a store locator there uh, and they do sell things online so no matter where you're listening to this show you can get your hands on it and also the folks over at gunter wilhelm knives they're unmatched quality for an unmatched price that's gunter wilhelm knives uh check them out online gunterwilhelm.com we're talking with Russ Falk from Kalamazoo Outdoor Gourmet. What's your favorite part of all this? What you do? <laughs> um, you know, my favorite part is connecting with our clients, uh, especially those who love to cook. So I am constantly um, answering questions, how to do this, how to do that, how to get the most out of the grill. And that's my my favorite uh, favorite part is um, helping them succeed in, in enjoying their products. Uh, was just uh, emailing a client last night who uh, had just installed his gaucho grill and was immediately excited about doing his Thanksgiving turkey on it. Um, his first question was, how big a turkey can I safely put on there? And I'm like, well, turkeys don't come big enough that you're going to be too big. But, you know, for doing it over a wood fire, I'd suggest you do a couple smaller turkeys so let's talk about sure. two 12 pound turkeys instead of one 24 pound turkey you'll enjoy the results better talk to how to set up the fire which wood to use all that that that's my favorite part there you go that works so i want to talk um uh your gaucho it, it, you know it really kind of intrigues me there's there's other models out there on the market but i don't think that they have all the accoutrements as it were um because i've cooked on those of those grills that have, you know, the kind of the elevator effect, if you will, with the actual grill grate and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. How much research did you put in and your testing when you, when you put together the gaucho? Um, we set out with um, a couple of primary goals in terms of uh, making it different. One, um, visually, it had to look at home in a high-end outdoor kitchen because that's what we do. That's where we live. Um, but from a functionality standpoint, um, we wanted it to be able to hold plenty of heat. Um, some of that comes down to weight. Some of that comes down to shape, things like that. Sure. Um, we wanted it to be able to start a fire very quickly. So you'll see when you look down inside, um, 
it's got what we uh, around our plant refer to as a hopper. Um, so you get a chimney effect in your fire, uh, which is unusual in uh, Santa Maria style or Argentinian style grill. Um, normally it's sitting on flat fire brick. We're giving it a lot more oxygen so it can, so you can get cooking faster. We also went ahead and put a burner system down below the fire grate. Um, mm-hmm. so you don't have to build your own fire, um, taking some of the inconvenience out of using a wood fire grill. Um, the burners down below where the, where the fire grate is are more than 50,000 BTUs combined. So sure. our, our log starter is more powerful than a lot of gas grills. It'll start a strong wood fire in just five minutes. Depending on what style of cooking you want to do, you know, you still, even though you've got the, your fire started and you've got that confidence, you can turn off the gas. Um, you still might have to wait an hour before you have a bed of coals um, if you want to do more of the traditional cook. But there's lots of different ways to use it. Um, another way that we've made it different is when I'm cooking on, on the more standard Argentinian style grills, I don't like the way I am completely exposed to the fire as I stand there trying to cook. Um, so ours is not open in front, which makes it different. It's a small thing. Um, but as they like to say in England, it protects your wedding vegetables while you're cooking, um, because, (laughs) because you're cooking down in a recessed firebox. Um, another key thing I've already mentioned, the rotisserie, the rotisserie is just fantastic. The fact that you don't have to do anything to set it up. You just pop the food on the spit, pop the spit in the grill and hit the power button. It's turning and it turns as you move the rack, no big deal. Another subtle thing is we've gotten rid of the ratchet. So typically on, on a grill like that, you'll turn the wheel one way to raise the, the food up higher above the fire for more gentle heat. You have to turn the wheel the other way to get it closer to the fire, but it's held up and it keeps it from falling down. It's held up by a ratchet. So you as a cook have to put one hand on the lever and lift it up and then use the other hand to spin it down. We completely eliminated that um, because uh, we're running the whole thing on an acne screw mechanism at the top. Sure. A lot of detail goes into an acne screw, but long story short, it won't move unless you turn the wheel. And then that bronze carrier block slides left and right up there. And that's what's raising and lowering the grill grate. It'll withstand something like 5,000 pounds of downward pressure on the, on the rack before anything would possibly budge. And that's just all, you know, that extra effort we put in to make it more of a joy to use, to make it so you don't need both hands, to make it so you can keep fiddling with your food using your tongs while you're raising it up and down. I like that a lot. I've been to, I've been to Brazil and Argentina a couple of times. And so I've seen it in real use as you were, you know, from the origins of that. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of do the same thing. They kind of raise it up and then they have to unpin it and raise it back down and stuff. I like what you're telling me there. Um, I want to also talk about your, your hybrid uh, grill because uh, there's so many features on that. Now I've not cooked on one of yours. I cooked on a, a version that uh, Twin Eagles had out of their Delta line. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it was gas, charcoal or pellets actually mm-hmm. like that. And um, I thought that was kind of fun to cook on because uh, I was doing a, a commercial thing, a corporate thing for some people. 
And I had never cooked on this before, but I found that it was really kind of easy once you got the knack of it to do it. And I'm assuming that your hybrid would be the same way. Um, you know, in in the convenience it brings to the table, probably. Um, what yeah. makes the, the hybrid from Kalamazoo kind of a class of one is the fact that it is a seriously high-performance gas grill. And even if you never put charcoal or wood in it, you're going to love cooking on the thing. And it's just, it's fundamentally different from other gas grills. Uh -huh. You know, anything else that's shiny and stainless steel that you see out there on the market is what's known as a, a grill head or a drop-in grill. Sure. Um, they kind of originated from some of the commercial uh, grill tops that sat on a countertop in restaurant kitchens. That's right. kind of the origin of the format that everybody uses. Ours stands on the ground. Um, and the reason it stands on the ground is that whole thing is grill. Um, it is vertically expanded. What we call the firebox extends way below the cooking grate and way below the burner. So you have a lot of recovery air. Uh, you have a lot more dynamic heat circulation. Um, it's almost like the Kamado cooker of gas grills. You can get those kinds of heat dynamics. But we've pulled, in addition to pulling the bottom of the grill, away from where the food is, we've pulled the burners further below the grill grates as well. That gives you a more even heat. Um, but it doesn't in any way diminish the heat. Um, this thing can still sear anywhere in the grill. So it's just, it's all about versatility. And, and every decision we've made in that hybrid fire grill is about increasing its versatility. Um, so it'll do low and slow traditional American barbecue. It will hold temp at 225 to 250 with indirect heat in the entire grill using a dedicated burner. We've got for that down the front, but then the primary burners um, are just immensely powerful. Uh, so the air temperature range using those main burners just with gas is going to top out at about 750 degrees with our heavy laser cut grill grates in there. Your grill grates are running about 850 degrees. There you go. At that point. So everything from 250 to searing at 850 is all available to you just with gas. On top of that, you can use charcoal, you can use wood, you can do wood fire rotisserie in it. Um, it's just an amazing tool to cook on. And, you know, somebody who's, who's uh, um, got good grilling skills will tell you that they can do the same thing with a, with a grill grate and a stack of bricks and charcoal on the ground. And, and yes, you can, but what the hybrid fire grill does is just make it more enjoyable and it's enabling everything you want to do. It's helping you be a better cook. Um, and there's no, there's nothing that you can't rise to the challenge of cooking on there. Well, and one of the things that, <coughs> excuse me, that, that struck me in what you were describing there is so many gas grills now. And they say, what well, we have a sear station. Okay. If, if people are fairly new to barbecue and they've never used something that according to the manufacturers can get up to, you know, a thousand degrees or something like that. First of all, as somebody who I think knows what I'm talking about, you don't need anything that's going to get to a thousand degrees. You just don't, you know, in your range there when, you know, 600 to 800 like that, that works pretty good. But these sear stations, they kind of 
concern me a little bit for the people just getting started or the people that don't cook very much, uh, Russ, because they forget they're using them. You know, they turn them on <laughs> as part of the grill, and all of a sudden, that $32 ribeye is Reeboks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, I, I think something that, you know, I've, but also, truthfully, if you're going to buy a grill from Kalamazoo Gourmet, uh, you you probably already know what you're doing. I'm, I'm going to throw that out there. Just you, and you probably should, but I, I think that's really intriguing about how you describe that. But we will pick this up on the other side of the break. Um, Russ Valk and I will be back in just a minute. We're going to talk some more about Kalamazoo uh, Gourmet Grills and that, and anything else that pops into our mind right here on Barbecue Nation. Please stay with us. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I am JT, and a couple of quick notes here. Uh, hour two coming up. We've got Tom Gearhart will be with us. And then um, the Amazing Ribs meetup in Memphis is going to be next March. And I know I've been talking about this every week on the show, but uh, they had to cancel and postpone the meetup in Memphis. Meathead and his crew. There's a lot of meat in that sentence there. Anyway, um, it is going to be happening this, next March. So you can go to AmazingRibs.com and check that out. All right. Let's get back and talk some more with Russ Falk. You like to be called the besides the chief cook and bottle washer. Are you the what, what they call the grill master at Kalamazoo, or what's your official title? Uh, so my official title is chief designer and head of product. There you but go. But I do play the role of grill master for our brand. It's not something I tend to call myself, much to marketing's chagrin. But but yes, I'm the <laughs> grill master as well. It's all good. It's all good. Um, I want to go back a couple of things. I want to talk. Uh, about your pizza oven, uh, first of all. I I love pizza ovens. I don't uh, have one that I use on my shows. Maybe someday I'll get one, but I use them at other locations and stuff. And I actually think, this is just me, that if you're going to be serious and you're putting together like an outdoor kitchen or a serious patio or covered area where you're going to be cooking you know, year-round, I think a pizza oven is a really nice addition to that because they're versatile. You can do a lot of things with them besides just, you know, cooking some tomato sauce on a piece of dough. That's my thoughts. I wanted to get your take on that. Totally agree. I mean, I think um, having a dedicated pizza oven is it's just a wonderful addition. Obviously, the grill comes first, but, then, sure. you know. The next thing I would add, it's a toss-up between a dedicated smoker and a dedicated pizza oven. It depends on where, where your interests lie. One of the best things about having a pizza oven at your home is uh, how social it is. It's such a, a, a great way to gather people and all cook together in a way that you can't really do all standing around the grill. Um, and I also I love watching how people feel free to experiment when they're cooking when it comes to pizza. It's a unique food in that regard where people just combine 
you know, four different things and, and see how it turns out. Yep. Like, there's not another, there's not another uh, kind of food out there that I can think of that people really find themselves feeling free to experiment. Uh, so it's great. Everybody makes their own pizza. You teach them how to get it in and out of the oven. Um, our oven is fantastic in that it preheats so quickly. So you're ready to start cooking in as little as 20 minutes. Um, and I cook pizzas in two to three minutes each within there. So we are able to reach uh, the Neapolitan pizza temperature range. Um you know, we're over 900 degrees for our ceiling temperature sure. if you're running that on high. So you can cook very quickly, turn out a lot of pizzas, just have a lot of fun. As you mentioned, they're very versatile as well. And there's a lot of other things you can do in there. If you're back in the party vein, one of the things that we always do for, if, well, sometimes we do dessert pizza. But another fantastic thing is that we'll preheat a salt slab in there. And then we'll put brownies on top of the salt slab. Uh, take a bamboo skewer and poke a lot of holes in the top of the brownies, um, fill them with bourbon, <laughs> put them in there with chocolate on top, let that melt, then quickly throw some marshmallows on top of that, let those brown and melt and pull it out, and you have the most decadent bourbon brownie s'mores that you can do in the in the pizza oven. You get to watch them cook the whole time. And it's just, yeah, there's so many ways to have fun with it. If I did that, Russ, I would look like a six-foot version of Garfield the cat. Just more. Well, <laughs> That's pretty much what I do look like. So. <laughs> I'm a little less orange. Yeah, yeah. Well, depends on what time of summer it is out here. But, you know, for me. But, uh, uh, yeah, that just sounds great. I might, and I might experiment. You're talking about experimentation. I might try a little scotch in that. You know, I'm a, I'm kind of a scotch guy most of the time. But I'm not opposed to bourbon either, really, truthfully. It's <laughs> whatever a, floats your brownies. Yeah, whatever floats your brownies. I love that. Um, Russ is going to stick around. I just want to tell you for after hours. So we're going to cover a lot more stuff that we didn't get to in the regular show. We're not done yet here really quickly. As far as this part of the show, what's the most important thing that you can recommend to people when they're actually doing live fire cooking? The most important thing is to have a safety zone, to have a part of your grill that's not hot or at least not as hot, especially if you're trying to cook with wood, it's a harder fire to control. So you don't want a wood fire in your entire grill. You want it in just part of your grill. Um, it's just a place so you can move things to slow them down so you aren't burning everything. But I also think the real magic in grilling happens when you combine direct and indirect heat for your cook. Um, so I'm a big fan of the sear and slide steak and the reverse sear steak. That's using multiple applications of heat, multiple temperatures. That's That's when the best food happens. Okay. Now, because this is the regular part of the show, we got to talk about your sear and slide and we have uh, about two and a half minutes or so here. So, um, and that's something I'm sorry, I overlooked in my notes before talking to you, but I, I, I heard about this before it was from your PR guy, but regardless, I still heard about your, your sear and slide. Tell us what that is. Um, it's, it's the opposite of reverse sear. I'm sure Meathead has talked about reverse sear on your show many times. Oh, yeah. uh, when I do a sear and slide ribeye, I'm working two and a quarter inches thick. I will sear it at a thousand degrees over a charcoal fire in the hybrid fire grill in just one of my three cooking zones. So I'll sear it for 30 seconds aside over there. It'll be beautifully browned. And then I move it to the indirect side of the grill where I have no fire whatsoever. Mm -hmm. My target air temperature is about 500 degrees. So I've got the lid closed. 
And that steak's going to coast up to beautiful, perfect medium rare over the course of about 20 minutes. And I just flip and move it every five minutes along the way, monitoring the temperature. And you can end up with a wonderful edge-to-edge medium rare with that beautifully browned exterior with all that Maillard reaction. Yep. One of the benefits that I find for sear and slide versus reverse sear is by starting my browning at the beginning and building up that brown to the entire cook. But I still achieve the benefits of having slowed down basically the roasting portion of the cook. The other thing I like about sear and slide is it's just one grill setup. So I don't have to pull it off the grill and now stoke up my grill and try and get it hot and then get it back on my grill. I like that. I like that a lot. Um People have heard me say on this show before, I don't know what the big deal is about reverse searing. <clears throat> We'd been doing it for a long time. If you cook in a smoker and then go put it on a hot grill to finish it off, that's one way to do it, you know? And exactly. I, I never, I never, I guess I was not smart enough for us to call it reverse sear. I just thought it was, <laughs> you know, cooking the steak or whatever it was. Um, yeah, I think it became bigger when sous vide became so popular. Oh, yeah. And I've got a friend of mine that sous vide just drives him crazy. He's, uh, I won't mention his name, but uh, he's big in um, cooking and stuff. And he's like, and it's not me, Dad, because me, Dad loves sous vide. But he's like, God, I'm never going to get away from the sous vide stuff. I'm like, wow. <laughs> how, um, how can people find you and um, Kalamazoo? Um, how can they find you real quick? They can find us at KalamazooGourmet.com or they can find us on social media as Kalamazoo Grills. So at Kalamazoo Grills and KalamazooGourmet.com. There you go. Russ Falk from Kalamazoo Outdoor Gourmet. Russ, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, JP. Okay. We'll be back next week. And remember our motto, turn it, don't burn it. Take care, everybody. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.